Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. plan this week. You, you got to the end of Genesis, and Genesis is, I, I think, it's just fascinating. So many lessons, especially in the life of Joseph. Now this week, we're going to jump over to another just fascinating book in the Old Testament, the book of Job. It's a tough book, uh, and a little uh, side info, Job is probably the oldest written book that we have, and if you want to know where does Job fit in in history, there's a reason that our reading plan goes to Job after Genesis. It's because Job probably lived during the time of Abraham and Isaac and, and maybe even Jacob, during those patriarch years. So most of us are familiar with the story of Job, right? We know about Job's patience. It's a phrase that we often use. We know about Job's suffering and everything that he lost and endured. And I'll be honest with you, we're going to get into some pretty heavy stuff this morning. Job is not for the faint of heart. We're going to deal with personal loss, with suffering. Uh, with Tonight, we'll talk a little bit more about God's sovereignty and all that. But the book of Job opens like this. It begins talking about this man, how he was an incredibly righteous man. The Bible says he was full of integrity. He was very blessed. He had a lot of stuff, everything from, from a large family to material wealth. And then we have this, this theme. Again, we're going to talk more tonight about this, where... The devil basically comes to God and says, I want to try your servant Job. I want to tempt Job. And, and he gives this report to God about what he's been doing. And he tries to convince God that, you know, if you'll just remove your hand of favor from Job, Job will turn his back on you. Now, now it's ironic to me when I read this story because you know that God's sitting there knowing all things and knowing what's going to come out of this. And still he says, all right, go ahead. Do whatever you want to do, attack his life, just spare his life. And then you think about it this way. You think, okay, Satan comes to God and he wants to destroy Job's person. He wants to destroy his character. He wants to ruin his reputation. More, I think, than anything, he wants to prove that God is wrong, right? And so what does he do? He takes Job's stuff. He takes Job's family that he loves. He takes his material wealth. Eventually he takes his physical health, but he leaves Job's wife. Now I'll just let you ponder that this week and chew on that a little bit, why that would be that way. So turn if you would to, to Job, I'm just saying, to Job chapter 1, we're going to pick up on verse 13. The Bible says one day when Job's sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and reported, While the oxen were plowing and the donkeys grazing nearby, the Sabians uh, swooped down and took them away. They struck down the servants with the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. He was still speaking when another messenger came and reported, God's fire fell from heaven. It burned the sheep and the servants and devoured them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. That messenger was still speaking when yet another came and reported, 
The Chaldeans formed three bands, made a raid on the camels, and took them away. They struck down the servants with the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. He was still speaking when another messenger came and reported, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on the young people so that they died, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job stood up, tore his robe, and shaved his head. He fell to the ground and worshipped, saying, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And throughout all this, Job did not sin or blame God for anything. There's a lot we can learn from the wisdom of Job, from the patience of Job. And I want us just for a moment to put ourselves in Job's shoes and on this day and in this moment when he gets all of this incredibly bad news. Now, for some of us, I know you probably don't have to imagine too hard, right? What it felt like to get the news that you've dreaded hearing, to get the news that you were so afraid of getting, whatever that news was, that you never imagined possible. And I think one of the greatest lessons of Job is learning, one, how to, how to trust and to follow God and even serve and worship God when the life that you love and the life that you've made and the life that you feel like God has given you and that you've dreamed about suddenly falls apart around you. We'd be naive to think that in our lives we won't experience hardship, right? Even though there are some churches and some preachers that will tell you otherwise, especially if you send them a big fat check. But we'd be naive to think that we're not going to have loss in this life, that we're not going to have sickness or even betrayal. And I'll be the first to admit to you, this world can be a very brutal place to live. Jesus even told us what? In this world, you will have trouble. But what did he say? Take heart. I've overcome this world. So this morning, I want to look at Job, and I want to look at what's going on here. The first thing I want us to understand is this. We've got to come to terms with this truth, is life's going to happen. Every day, life happens. It throws us highs, it throws us lows, some major ups, some major downs, the good, the bad, the ugly, every bit of it. It's, it's life. And overall, I feel like it, with, even with its highs and lows, life's a very beautiful thing, isn't it? I mean, think about it. We get to experience all these wonderful things God gives us, all these twists and turns. But here, here's what we're facing this morning. Sometimes these turns in life hurt pretty bad, don't they? Sometimes these turns that life takes us on can be absolutely devastating. And so one minute, Job has it all. I mean, literally, he has everything. He's sitting back, enjoying the fruits of his labor, enjoying God's blessing. And even in this mountaintop moment of life, Job is, is righteous in everything he does. I love reading about it because he even sacrifices to God and repents for things that he hasn't done just in case he sinned against God. He's that good. And then the very next minute, it all falls apart. How many have been having a great day before and one text or one phone call completely ruined your day? We've been there. As a pastor, you're there about 10 times a day. And then you're back up and then you're back down. But th this is life, right? Life does this. And, and, and uh, sometimes things aren't fair. 
Sometimes people are going to hurt you. People that maybe you never dreamed would hurt you. Circumstances are going to try you. Even natural calamities are going to come and test and push your faith. But look at Job. He was robbed. He was attacked. A natural disaster took his family from him. Eventually his health would fail. And I think one of the greatest tricks into life is not, not, not only knowing how to deal with these things. That's part of it. But I think maybe even more importantly is knowing that these things are, are, are coming. And, and, and not necessarily anticipating them, but knowing that it's a very likely possibility something bad is going to happen at some point. Now, now hold on just a second. I'm not saying that we need to be cynical Christians. And we need to be pessimists, and, and I'm, I'm certainly not a, a half a glass is half empty kind of guy, and I'm not encouraging you to be that way either. But I think it, there has to come a point in our faith that we stop living in the fear of these bad things happening because we understand that they're going to. And not only that, but we understand more, more so that God is going to see us through that fire when it comes. It reminds me of the faith of those three Hebrew boys in the book of Daniel standing before King Nebuchadnezzar, refusing to bow down to this statue that he created. And what did these boys say to Nebuchadnezzar? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel. They said, if the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. And and notice their words. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the statue that you've set up. That's the kind of faith that we're looking for in the middle of all these calamities. Even if God refuses to deliver us from the fiery death, even if, if He just lets us perish in those flames, we will serve Him, we will honor Him, we will praise Him, and we will not worship any God but Him. It's like Job will say later when his Again, his beloved wife comes to him and she's trying to comfort him, right? And she says, why don't you just curse God and die? And what does Job say? He says, get behind me, Satan. No, that's, a, that's another story. Hold on. He says, he says, should we accept only good from God and not adversity? So it's all part of life. People change. Circumstances change. But God never changes. He's the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. And that's one of the big things we see from Job here is that no matter what happens in my life, second point says, God is still worthy of my worship. Our circumstances, our happiness, the way that we feel, our life situations never change God's worthiness to be praised. That is a deep truth in our faith. And even when we don't understand, even when we're angry at God, even when we're asking why, we got to remember God is so good. He is holy. He is my maker, my creator. And as such, He is always worthy of my worship. There's a story about a song that you've probably heard before. Singer Mark Hall and, and the Casting Crowns Band early in their music career, formed this relationship with this young family, a husband and wife. And they had this little girl, and the little girl was going through some sickness. It ended up being cancer. And they just kind of emailed back and forth as they were on the road. And they were one of this family's prayer partners and, and offered their support and encouragement. And so they, they just knew this story intimately. 
And, and the band and Mark Hall talks about the, not only the, the, the pain that this family went through and the chaos of appointments and hospitals and doctors and going to and from treatments, but they talk about the faith journey that this family went through. They said it was a lot of highs and a lot of lows. And he said one day they would send them an email and, and they'd say, you know what? We're going to be okay. God's got this. He's going to see us through this. And the next day it'd be rock bottom. And they'd say, listen, we don't, we don't even know if God's even here. We don't even know how to deal with this today. And eventually, unfortunately, the little girl passes away. And it's out of that situation and that journey of faith that the band sat down and they wrote the words to this song. You've probably heard it. It says this, As I was sure by now, God, you would have reached down and wiped our tears away, stepped in and saved the day. But once again, I say amen. And it's still raining. I remember when I stumbled in the wind. You heard my cry to you and you raised me up again. But now my strength is almost gone. How can I carry on if I can't find you? But as the thunder rolls, I barely hear your whisper through the rain. I'm with you. And as your mercy falls, I'll raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. And I'll praise you in this storm. And I will lift my hands for you are who you are. No matter where I am. And every tear that I've cried, you hold in your hand. You never left my side. And though my heart is torn, I'll praise you in this storm. Now the point of this story and this song is that God is still good. Even when life is at its worst, God is still good. His plans are still good, even though we may not understand them. Even when we think that there's been some kind of injustice in our situation, God is not the one that is unjust. God is good and still worthy to be praised. God is worthy to be praised, especially when you don't feel like praising Him. So when you're on the mountain, what do you do? Praise Him. When you're down in the valley, praise Him. When everything's going just as you think it should be going, praise Him. And on the day that it all falls apart and your life crumbles before your eyes, praise Him. But the choice is ours to make. And that's one of the toughest lessons we learn from Job is that we choose our response to all these things. When things happen, I've said it before and I'll continue to say it, when things happen, we can get better or we can get bitter. Now, I'm going to preach on us pretty hard for just a minute because far too many Christians are giving the Christian faith a black eye because they have chosen to grow bitter and negative and hateful and spiteful and resentful rather than becoming a better and stronger and more faithful follower of Christ. Now, the choice is ours, and that, that gives us both a tremendous responsibility but it also gives us an incredible freedom. Now, what did Job do? Job chose not to sin or to blame God for all of this stuff that was happening to him. Job said, the Lord gives 
And the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Literally, he says, praise the name of Yahweh, my maker. Praise him in this storm instead of blaming him. Now, there's a lot of times in life we're going to ask this question. Three letters, it's a big question, right? Why? Why would God allow this? Why did God not stop this? Why did God not stop them? Why did God let them do this to me? But instead of viewing God as the one who could have prevented this calamity, here's what we need to do. We need to look to Him as the rock and the refuge in the middle of it. Instead of viewing God as the one that did it, view Him as the one that can go through it with you. Going back to the story of the that we've read already, instead of being mad at God that it's raining, be like Noah and thank God that God told you that you better build a big boat, right? Instead of being mad that they died or they perished, thank God that there's hope of seeing them again in eternity. Instead of fearing the fires of the furnace and being afraid of them, that they're going to test your faith, thank God that there's always that fourth man in the fiery furnace going through it with you. But the choice is ours. So here's your invitation this morning. My challenge. It sounds simple, but this is heavy stuff. What pain do you need to let go? What hurt do you need to get over and let go? I want you to understand that healing, even if you've experienced tremendous loss and hurt, healing does not mean that you've forgotten the person that you've lost. Finding joy in the middle of that pain does not mean that you've somehow forsaken their memory and their life. Letting go of that grudge that you've been holding on to does not make you weak. And hanging on to that grudge doesn't make you any more of a victim than you already are either. When you choose not to heal, especially when someone has done something to you, when you choose not to heal from that, you're not affecting the person that's hurt you. You're the one that's suffering from your own doing. And so this morning, how do you begin to do that? How do you begin to let it go? I I think one way is what Job teaches us. Let it go by worshiping your Lord. Take that focus that you have on your pain, on your hurt, on your loss, on all this stuff, and, and, and shift your focus to your Maker. Blessed be His name. And praise Him this morning. Let's stand together as we close in prayer. Father, God, this is hard stuff. This is stuff that touches our everyday lives. And God, there's people here in this room that have been hurt so badly. There are people here that have lost more than we should. And God, if we're honest this morning, we don't quite know how we're supposed to deal with it. How we're supposed to move forward. Sometimes, Lord, we don't even know how we're supposed to praise you in the middle of this storm. So Lord, teach us. God, give us the faith to trust you through the fire and through the storm. Help us to see, God, that that you're right there with us, going through it with us, bringing us through to the other side. And God, even if we don't get the results that we're praying for and hoping for, let us have the faith to praise you anyway. Because you are good and you are holy. 
And God, I pray that if there's someone here this morning that doesn't have a relationship with you and they're going through all of life's turns by themselves, God, I pray today they would begin a relationship with you through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray this morning. Amen. If you need to come this morning and if you just want to spend some time in prayer, by all means, this altar is open. If you want to come and have someone pray with you, We'd be more than glad to do that. If there's a decision that you need to make, if you need to be saved this morning or be part of the family here at First Baptist, why don't you come as we sing this song? But more than anything else, as we sing the heart of worship, worship your Lord this morning, no matter where you're at in life. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.